What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jordan, and this is Desmond, and welcome to episode 124 of Two Black Nerds. Yeah. That's right. It's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention we have merchandise that's available now at Two Black Nerds. Nerds.com. Go check out our Nerds of the Night collection inspired by the Batman. We got t-shirts, crewneck hoodies, stickers, mugs, and tote bags, so go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we're discussing the latest episode of Marvel Studios' Miss Marvel. As usual, we'll be breaking down the most memorable moments and developments from this week as we move closer and closer to the finale. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this podcast with a very curious news item out of the world of Marvel. So recently, we've been speculating a lot about what the future of the MCU will hold as we have steadily progressed across phase four of the MCU. A lot of the projects that were announced a few years ago at events like Comic-Con and D23, we're now actually seeing them come to fruition and all of the plans are being revealed. But recently we've heard a lot of rumors about what's what lies next for Marvel. Kevin Feige himself has come out to say that more things will be revealed in terms of the direction and what the next saga will look like. We also know San Diego Comic-Con is right around the corner. We just talked about how they are confirmed to have a panel at Hall H during that event, as well as D23 later this fall, which we also expect more announcements to come out of that camp for the next few years. But something just happened today, right before this show, that is very, very interesting. Uh, Howard Stern himself has now turned into a, a news leaker, apparently, and has <laughs> broken maybe some potential projects or projects that will come in the future. So for those who don't know, Howard Stern on a show was during a commercial break. Um, there was a hot mic, hot mic situation, which is uh, kind of the bane of everybody's <laughs> existence who does stuff mm. like this, who has a podcast or a radio show. That's kind of the worst predicament to be in. And during a commercial break, as advertisements were rolling, we heard some audio from Howard Stern in which it seems like he may have confirmed a future Doctor Doom movie is in development. Here's the quote that he says that was playing during this audio. Quote, they're going over the schedule with me and it's going to suck. I told you I'm going to do Doctor Doom. That's the thing. But believe me, I'm fucking miserable about it. <laughs> I called Robert Downey Jr. and I was asking him acting techniques in quote. Um, this is this is well first of all that's a funny way to put it i think that that's like actually actually hilarious so listen i don't really know what to make of this i have so many thoughts about what this could potentially mean but first before we really get into it i just want to ask you first and foremost do you even think that this is legit could this perhaps be a prank that howard stern and his team is pulling because listen the guy's been on radio for almost 50 years at this point he, he stayed around for a long time. He's remained relevant. He's pulled pranks like this before where there's uh -huh. like some sort of like hot mic situation or something that isn't necessarily supposed to be heard just so happens to get out, although it was designed to be that way from the get go. But I don't know. This is pretty this is pretty peculiar considering the fact that we know that more plans will be announced soon for future mm -hmm. movies. We do know more projects are going to come down the pipeline. And also the fact that like advertisements were playing as he was saying this stuff. And so it's like. Would he really fake this while ads are running? You know, you have to actually like service your advertisers and make sure that that stuff gets taken care of. I don't know. Do you think that this is actually something legitimately going to happen? Yeah, it's it's man, it's pointing up to me. And, and it's weird because, you know, his Stern's involvement as a journalist. It's it's I don't know. It's so it's it's so weird because like you said he's done this before but also he's he's known to be pretty credible in other things you know what i mean so it's like what exactly is there to believe but you know part of the thing that you said was you know they're getting up for hall h right now the way the audio sounds when you really listen to it is hard to believe that it's it's hot it's like not hot mic-ish you know because like i was like squinting my eyes i don't know why i do that when i can't hear something it doesn't make any sense <laughs> but like I was like, man, what is he saying? But then you, you can kind of hear like to the in-betweens. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It seems too too messed up to actually be fake to me. Um, sure. Just from the first list. Unless somebody is just 
I mean, they when I say orchestrate, orchestrate, I mean, they was killing it. Like, <laughs> we're going to have this volume for this and this. Uh, but, man, it's, it, it really is hard not to believe, especially how I can believe the schedule sucks for him. <laughs> like, it just makes yeah. sense. Like, when he's when he's saying, man, like, the schedule's going to suck, um, this and that. I don't know about the calling Robert Downey Jr. for acting kind of part you know what i mean but you know this is this is not super far left either though the mcu is gearing up for another villain of course we have came the conqueror on the on the floor you know at the time it doesn't mean anything though fantastic four is still coming (laughs) and dr doom must be present and what other way to take a different approach to that entire project than introducing the villain first in before you actually have those two parties clash right i can imagine that being something knew that marvel tries to do and so uh in my mind man a lot of this is pointing up and i I really don't have any reason to not believe it in this moment but you know it's it's still it's still a hot mic still gonna take it with a little bit of a grain of salt but man i'm 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 on board if it's true yeah this is one of those things it's hard to know how legitimate it is or not it's hard to know whether whether or not they're working us i think that uh when you look at a guy like howard stern who's been in radio for so long you have to ask yourself, like, is he really going to mess up like this? Like, is it really mm-hmm. feasible that they mess up like this? But then you have to you have to, like, also think like anything could happen. It's very possible that mm-hmm. maybe somebody new is working on the team and didn't didn't do the didn't do the sign off in the in the in the right way that they needed to. And it just so happened that this hot mic situation is real. I'm going to say that I buy into it. I do think mm-hmm. that this is like a real thing because of just the nature of the audio clip, as you said, like yeah. the fact that we actually have the ads rolling on top of like him saying this, like if it was just like pure clean audio of him talking about this, I'd be a little bit more skeptical. Right. But the fact that you have the two things working against each other and somebody had to like sit down and really sort of decipher what he was saying to get this quote here, that makes me believe it's a little bit more credible. Now you started talking about another thing that I want to address and, and, and sort of poke a hole at or at mm-hmm. least like deconstruct let's play pretend that this is real let's say right. that this is going to happen i'm wondering whether or not it's more probable that he's actually talking about the fantastic four movie that mm. dr doom is in and uh-huh. he just so happened to say like oh i'm dr. doing doom. dr doom yeah, yeah, because also that. like people are confused about well is howard stern playing dr doom i don't think no, that's it at all hell no that that <laughs> we can't have that no, no, that's no, just no, not no. the man got like two imdb credits like let's not get carried away <laughs> if anything i think he'll probably be in the movie whatever movie it is right as himself and i could very much see a world where in new york city He's interviewing a character, maybe Dr. Doom. And so maybe Mm. what he's under the impression is that his portion of the movie is very much focused on Dr. Doom. And that's why he referred to it in that way. But you brought up something interesting about what if Marvel Studios is taking a different approach Mm -hmm. as opposed to what we've seen? Because we've already gotten two iterations of their origin story where Dr. Doom was the main character because that's so intrinsically tied together. That's how they were actually birthed in the comics. But I'm wondering whether or not it really is a Doctor Doom movie. Would they do that before a Fantastic Four movie? Maybe they run parallel with each other and we just Mm -hmm. never knew about this? Or is it truly just a Fantastic Four movie and perhaps Howard Stern's involvement is strictly tied to Doctor Doom? Yeah, man. I think it's possible that, you know, it uh, it would be cool if they they did do something kind of in tandem like that. uh, Kind of, I don't know, a partner movie is the word, but let's say it's... We've been getting so many part ones and part twos <laughs> recently. Sure, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if you get a if you get a Fantastic Four one part of the, of the year in a July, and you get a Doctor Doom in a October November, I think that's a pretty cool you know thing idea. You know that could be on the table towards the future, man. But I don't know. I, I just like the idea that it's on the table here. Um, that Doctor Doom is getting brought up in in what seems like a, you know something something credible cuz we've been talking about it for such a long time and if fantastic four we has been on the table for so long it at least we should begin to have the conversation of like where this man fits in um for marvel only thing i will say it it, it does suck a little bit if like they had this whole Hall H thing ready to go for like Doctor Doom, and that would have blown the socks off of everybody and then uh, we're like yeah. here with kind of like this Howard Stern leak that Kevin Feige is probably on the phone with him right now. Like, God damn it, <laughs> Howard. Like, this is not what we planned. You got the sniper uh, pointed right at him right now. Exactly. So that, that would suck if that was the case, though. I think one way that they could perhaps remedy that situation, if it were to be true, and if it were to be like something that they would reveal at Hall H, 
if they had a casting announcement ready to go as well for whoever would be playing Doctor Doom. And I, I don't mm. know if they're that far. If the, And this again, this is all speculative. We don't know how much of this is true or not. This could all just be right. moot at the end of the day. But let's say the movie is real, and let's say they're pretty far along in the development process. I mean, I think, yes, this information comes out, and it was spoiled slightly before a Comic-Con or mm-hmm. a D23 or whatever the case may be. But they could remedy that if they have a casting announcement and it's somebody really exciting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's where they'll go because they could also cast somebody that's relatively unknown as well. We know that they like to typically pull people that haven't had too many years in the industry. But for some reason, I have a feeling that this Doctor Doom role is going to be played by somebody more relatively well known. Maybe not yeah. super famous. Maybe not like, you know not Tom Cruise or anything like that, but maybe somebody right. relatively famous that has been around, that has done a few things, and people will say like, oh, that's a really interesting choice. So I think that that's how you can still generate that excitement. But I don't know. There's so many questions about this, I think, that that we have to ask in terms of also Dr. Doom's involvement in the future of the MCU. We know that Disney has bought 20th, 20th Century Fox, and so now they have access to these characters, and the Fantastic Four movie is happening, and it's getting pretty close. I think we're probably like two, two and a half years out at this point. We'll probably get a, a fi- final date at Comic-Con, but uh, Doctor Doom, whether he's in this movie or not, or whether it's like its own movie, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, Howard Stern, man, this this is coming from the most unexpected place possible in terms of news yeah. breaking, but it's uh, it's quite hilarious if you ask me, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, sit, we'll sit back sit tight and see how things shape out at this year's San Diego Comic-Con. But with that said, let's go ahead and transition and talk about the reason why we're here. Miss Marvel, Episode 4, just recently debuted on Disney+, and as usual, we will be breaking down this episode in full spoiler details and doing all of the recapping of the events and all the things that went down this week. But before we get to that stuff, let's just go ahead and start off with our general big picture thoughts about this episode, non-spoilery, and just sort of talk about our general feelings as it relates to this series up until this point. So with that said, man, I'll pass it to you. What do you think so far about episode four of Ms. Marvel? Yeah, man. Episode four was cool. It uh it had to spin, I think, a couple wheels in, in, in terms of story. I think uh, you know, we talked about how every week we get something new. We got of course we got something new this week, but it wasn't as heavy, I think, um, in, in some of the things that we got this week. Did I still enjoy the episode for sure? Um, I think it it, it set up um, episode five and potentially episode six very well but uh uh it had to it had to take i don't know if the backseat is the word but because we're in the probably the opposite probably because we're in a new country this week there's there's some things that that just had to be done um some talks that had to happen that did make sense why we had to spin the wheel i think a little bit in in terms of what's going on so um i think uh there's there's a couple fun action scenes in here that i wasn't expecting um there's there's one that I don't know how I feel about, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, but regardless, uh, I think this this show still is still on the on the way, man. It still has uh, a lot left to do, and I think that um, you know every week that you know Miss Marvel continues to be uh, one of the best MCU shows we've gotten. To be honest, I think Amon Valani uh, continues to be an amazing Miss Marvel. I mean. This this girl's really knocking it out of the park. Um, uh, however, you know you 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 think she is, but there there's also uh, because we put aside kind of the things that we loved about the first couple episodes between the her her friends and the community, you know that we were used to. It it did feel so different than what we got in those first three episodes. Um, the only thing I'm looking for again is that. That style that we had in that first episode, I'm still looking for that. We got we get a little bit of it um, in, in terms of like the brightness and the the creative choices and the things that 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 really excited me that first episode. I'm still missing a little bit of that, but overall, I think again, very, still a very solid episode, and and we'll see what happens next week. Absolutely, I should also mention that this episode was directed by Charmaine Obey Chinoy, who's had. An incredible 20-year, 20 20-plus-year 20 career um, mm. in the film industry. She's a seven-time Emmy Award winner, a two-time Academy Award winner. She's directed some documentary shorts. She's the first female director to have won two Academy Awards by the age of 37. Never have happened before. Crazy. Um, and she's also officially the first 
Pakistani director for Marvel. So this is somebody that's extremely decorated coming into the yeah. series. And I think for the way that this episode shaked out and for the setting of it, it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Um, based on last week's episode, this isn't really a spoiler. You you know that this would be the case based off of last week's ending. This entire episode takes place in Karachi, which is the largest city in Pakistan. And so I think having Charmin be the person to sort of lead this charge and be the be the one behind the director's chair on this one makes complete sense because so much of her work is rooted in Pakistani culture and where she comes from. And overall, with that said, the director aspects of this i thought were handled really really well there were some new camera angles introduced there were some directing techniques that i thought worked out really well especially because there is a -hmm. lot of action in this episode more so than we've really ever gotten before so i think having somebody that's really established has been around for a long time and has done a large swath of work a a lot of different genres and and, and a large variety of work i think it makes sense that the scale of this is a little bit Mm -hmm. bigger than what we've seen before because you have the canvas of this big huge city it's like you know it's one of like the you know 15 largest cities in the world and so i think having her come on to here made a lot of sense um the fact that this episode is more action oriented though did kind of take me out of it a little bit because i'm not i'm not as interested in the action with a lot of mcu stuff these days i'm especially Mm -hmm. not these tv series i'm very much more invested in the character moments and the conversations that we have and i do have to be honest that i missed some of our main or supporting characters that are back in jersey city you know this episode does entirely take place in karachi so we don't get to see nakia or bruno or her older brother Amir, or her mm. father Yusuf, and I missed I missed those characters because they're really fun to be around. I love learning about them. I love he- hearing the dialogue and the way that they interact with Iman Vellani on screen. So I, I, I kind of miss them here. Um, also, in this episode, there was a ton of exposition that was further fleshed out that was introduced in last week's episode, and they added on more layers in this episode. And I, I have to be honest that I'm becoming a little confused by a lot of it. I'm going to mm-hmm. be real. Like, I'm a, I'm a bit confused. And I'm not entirely sure on what is accurate and what's not accurate. Because some things that were told to us last week turned out to not be entirely what, they, what we thought that they were. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's just a lot of... Um, there's a lot of hand-holding that's happening, and, and I kind of need that, but it doesn't feel like hand-holding in the best way. Because I'm still a little, yeah. I'm still a little lost on everything. And so... The only other thing about this episode, too, though I did like it, mm-hmm. it might be my least favorite thus far, though, if I'm being honest. And I think Agreed. there were some... Okay, I should just say this. I don't know what was going on with the writer's room this week because there were some moments where there was some incredibly cheesy dialogue. Yep. Like, there were some times that we'll get to in the spoiler section where I was like, wait, what did you just say? Like, why are <laughs> we trying to be so quippy right now? Like, this... Mm-hmm. It's, it felt really forced. And, and, and the the script kind of failed in that regard because I think we were trying to infuse a lot of that MCU humor that we see out of characters like Tony Stark or Thor, mm-hmm. later versions of Thor, and and it felt out of place here. It didn't feel like it fit in the right areas. But that being said, the script was not a complete failure by any means because there were some there were some definite definite highlights with character driven moments, um, particularly with Kamala's parents and things like that. So it wasn't a complete misfire by any stretch. It was just like a few moments that really took me out of the episode that I was I was kind of shocked by because we hadn't got that up until this point. But that being said, it may be my least favorite. Doesn't make mm-hmm. it bad. I just think that I really missed all the stuff in Jersey City. I missed the high school aesthetic. I miss being around the community that she has, you know, with the mosque and the other, you know, the other Muslim and Pakistani mm-hmm. people that, that that are around in the city. Um, it makes sense to come, you know, to, sort of to, to, to this home base because a lot of this is like tied to this family aspect. But uh, yeah, I missed it, you know. And so yeah. I think hopefully next episode we can we can kind of get back to to that same momentum and pace that we had prior to this episode. But those are our thoughts, our general non-spoiler thoughts. So we're going to get into the spoiler section and talk about all the details this week. If you haven't seen episode four of Miss Marvel, go duck out, watch the episode right now on Disney Plus, and then come back and finish out the rest of this conversation. And where I want to start is with the family drama, which continues to be one of the highlights of the series, I think. Mm-hmm. The whole family dynamic of all these major characters and how this how this is all shaping up to be something meaningful for Kamala as she continues to try to explore her family history, to uncover the truth, and to find out what exactly is going on with this bangle and her mother and her grandmother and even her great-grandmother and all of these different aspects. And again, this episode takes place mostly in Karachi all, all the way through, and we get to finally meet in person her grandmother, Sana, uh, after she told her that, that, that her and her mom need to come and 
you know, figure all of this out. Her mom is still a little bit unaware of what's going on. Kamala, Mm -hmm. you know, just sort of explained it to her that, yeah, we should probably go see her. She's getting older. So makes sense to sort of use that as a cover up. But I think that this whole episode, this was kind of my favorite aspect to see Sana come into play and become more of a more of a vocal presence throughout this episode as the person who's wise and has a lot of answers, but she doesn't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I took away is that she didn't have everything just plainly laid out for Kamala. She couldn't give her everything that she needed in terms of what this whole clandestine situation is, what the gin stuff means. She told Kamala, like, you really have to figure this out for yourself, but you had to be here to do so. Mm-hmm. I know that something needs to be revealed to you. I just don't know exactly what it is yet. And then we also got some really meaningful moments between Sana and Muniba, you know, that mother-daughter relationship as well yeah. that I think sort of parallels what we've seen with Kamala and her own mother there. So what were your just general thoughts about the whole family dynamic and seeing that further fleshed out in this week's episode? Um, it's actually one of my favorite things about this episode, man, seeing this 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 matriarchy, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it's really interesting to see how they're all very different people, um, you know, Maniba, Kamala, Sana, and but they all are searching for answers, I think, for different things. And, and I love how uh, the fact that, you know, Sana doesn't have the answers I just feel like they're all about to get answers together <laughs> kind of at the same time with Kamala. I love that about this. It's like, okay, I, I, I know we seem like we're all on different tandems right now, but we're low-key about to like heal together <laughs> in a lot of different ways, especially as we do see uh, Muniba and, and, and Sana kind of, you know, patch things up a little bit. Um, even and I, and I love how, I don't know, there's just different things about each relationship that carries over into the other where where you know sana tells kamala like i you're you're thinking about i think the details too much Mm. (laughs) and you need to start thinking about like the 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 big picture of what i'm trying to tell you and 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 muniba's like trying to tell sana muniba's like i didn't need you to tell these stories i just wanted my mom Mm. (laughs) you know what i mean and it's like these different ideas of different relationships are like okay this is where you need to stand. Well, take what you learned from this conversation and maybe go apply it to that other relationship that you need to. And so I, I, I really do love that aspect um, about this episode, man. That's that's it's like, OK, if we're not going to get Bruno and the kids like, OK, give us this. And I'm glad they are giving us this. I, I, I do like it a lot, especially because. You know, besides Kamala, Maniba continues to kill it. I think she's tremendous in the show Incredible. still. She does such a good job. Um, she's such a good actress, man. But it it, it really is it pulled things together in the episode for me. Looking forward to those moments. Yeah, this is one of the things that we haven't seen as much of in the MCU, I would have to say. Like this 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 whole examination of like generational family and traditions and things that do and don't get passed down and some of the similarities and and, and, and parallels that exist between multiple generations like that hasn't been a huge focal point for the MCU there's obviously been like parental stuff that's happened that's that's definitely been a big thing a lot of whole lot of daddy issues in the MCU up until this point but to your point about the matriarchy of it all that mm-hmm. that is something that's a little bit new newer I should say in the MCU that that hasn't been examined as much also that's mm-hmm. just due to the fact that like there haven't been too many properties focused on female driven characters or, you know, just female characters. And everybody got daddy issues. It, right. Exactly. <laughs> we all, we, we all can, we, we can always talk about that, but I think I'm um, seeing, you know, Sana Muniba and Kamala across three different generations sort of unpack this stuff and what it all means mm-hmm. has been a really powerful element to the show that distinguishes it from a lot of other MCU projects that we've gotten up until this point. And also Muniba and Sana in particular, that mother daughter relationship And seeing that even unfold a little bit more here, I found that to be really, really compelling stuff because in the conversation that they had in the middle of this episode, which is definitely one of the highlights of it for me, I think we find out that Muniba's, at least in the past, was a lot more like Kamala than it Mm -hmm. seemed on the surface. You know, Kamala seems to be a little (laughs) bit more rebellious and sort of going out there and doing what she wants to do. Obviously, with these new powers, she's very much being independent at this point and trying to figure all of this out on our own and also keeping secrets from other people that are close to her and at one point in time Muniba was very similar and we get that conversation where I think we see a lot of the 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 pent-up frustration that 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 comes out from from Sana's point of view about how Muniba just up and left for America Mm -hmm. to find a different life to find a better life in hopes of a new future and we see that that's been something that 
Sana, I don't think necessarily holds a grudge against Muniba about, but it, it bothered her, you know, and I think a lot of us can relate to something like that, that idea of going out on your own, making your own path, which could have really tremendous consequences on the dynamic of your family, especially if you're leaving home, right? Like right. a lot of people have to be caretakers or they have to be support systems for their family, especially as parents get older. And that thought of the guilt that you might carry if you decide to leave and go somewhere else because you want better for yourself and you have to live your own life and how a person can carry that. But then also the, the parent back at home is, is feeling bad because they want you to fulfill your potential, but they also want you close by as well. Like there's so many, there's so many aspects about that, that I think come out in that conversation that again, we haven't seen as much of in the MCU before. I think Shang-Chi in the legend of the 10 mm. rings has probably touched it the most, mm -hmm. especially considering like that character, he had to leave and go away from home. And we saw how that impacted his sister. But here again, I think that, that th those different generations of how it passes down, you know, from generation to generation is a really, a really prevalent piece of this episode that I think just ties it all together even more, makes this even more resonant for us as an audience. Yeah, man. It's, it's like you said, we just haven't got it a lot. Um, and it, I guess it makes sense because I think, uh, you know, traditionally the way that just writing comic books works in freaking 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, these are a bunch of white men making a lot of these characters, right? Who also probably had father issues. It's just, I don't know. It makes sense that we like come to such a newer character who has so much more to do and different stories to tell in something like a Kamala because she's barely over a decade old you know what i mean like she it's just like she had different writers she has different time in which the, her comic books were written different time in which even this tv show was being made it's like okay let's tackle the mom stuff let's have conversations about uh about leaving home and things like they couldn't have conversations about this previously because they probably weren't like doing the, the things that us millennials are doing today you know what i mean when when writing some of those older characters so i love that this tv show gets the chance to explore you know a lot of those different things it's a it's a good job on uh, on the exploration uh, side for sure absolutely and the missing piece of course in all of this is aisha kamala's great-grandmother so that fourth mm -hmm. generation and i think by the end of this episode as we see there looks to be some sort of like time travel aspect and we'll we'll kind of get to that towards the end of this conversation but She's the missing piece, and I think the most understood piece probably to this whole puzzle. We've now gotten context filled in for the grandmother, the mother, and the daughter, of course, from her point of view. But now we need the great-grandmother, the original owner of the bangle that kicked all of this off to begin with. Like, mm -hmm. what what does that piece of this puzzle looks like, you know, look like? And I, I think it's, it's more than meets the eye, because if we just go strictly off of what people have said about her in previous episodes, it ain't good. It ain't good, but <laughs> I, 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 would, I would lean towards the belief that there is there's more information to be revealed, of course, which is it's looking like it's going to happen in the ne next episode that will hopefully tie all of this together in a really yeah. a really profound way. I'm at least hoping we got the introduction of a new group in this episode on top of what we got last week, which was also the introduction of a new group. So last week we we met the clandestines. Finally, now this week we meet the Red Daggers um, and this episode is entitled Seeing Red. So I think there's some connective tissue there. But the Red Daggers, um, this group that's located in Karachi. They ambush Kamala because they figure out mm -hmm. that she has this bangle. And we meet Kareem. He's one of the Red Daggers. And they have this fight sequence in this train station because Kamala is looking for this train, this train that continues to pop up in these illusions that she sees from the bangle. There's always this train, some, something that's very symbolic. And she goes to the train station to try to find more information. She gets ambushed by Kareem. And this is the moment I was talking about with this really cheesy dialogue because yep. as they were fighting... <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? I, he he asks her, do all masked Americans have superpowers? And she say, how do you know I'm not Canadian? And I'm just like, what? Like, where did that come from? And then she says, like, where did you learn to jump like that? Ninja Turtles. And he responds with, oh, where did you learn to jump like that? Donkey Kong. Just not the greatest <laughs> writing, I would have to say. Just doesn't hit the mark for me. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the delivery. Like, maybe that was truly it, if we're being honest, mm, because mm -hmm. perhaps if it was delivered by someone else, it could have worked. But I just yeah. noticed that in that fight sequence, which was fine, it wasn't anything to, like, write home about. It was okay. Mm -hmm. We did see a little bit more of Kamala's powers. And I'm still a little, I don't know, I'm still, I'm, 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 I'm hoping for a little bit more out of her powers, maybe in the future episodes. But the dialogue here just did not work for me. And it continued, too, because she also, like, said something later about 
Red Daggers, what are you, a Pakistani boy band? And I'm just like, okay, we got to stop with this. Like, we got to <laughs> we gotta pump the brakes on these quips. Like, let's relax. This is not Iron Man 2. Like, let's just chill out for a second <laughs> and get back to focus. Yeah, man. It, it, this is also the scene I was talking about a little. It was like, I was like, there's a fight in there. I was like, I don't know about this. And part of it is the dialogue, like you said. And part of it is just, I like you, it just felt like a cheesy moment. I don't know. Like, there's... There's a such thing as like superhero cheesy and there's a such thing as like cheesy cheesy. And this is like cheesy cheesy. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I don't know about this because they're like flirting in the middle of a fight. And part of me was in disbelief because like he just threw a knife by her head. And I'm like, <laughs> I would be whooping ass. Like, I just didn't understand why we were having a conversation. Like he threw a knife like right next to you. Like, what, yeah, are, what are we talking, talking about, about? And uh, the Canada line is because Amon Vellani is actually from Canada. So, like, I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> it's like we didn't have to put that in there at all, man. Um, again, she – I don't like how she continues to use this, like, stepping stool thing every fight. Yeah. I get it the first couple times. It's like, okay, that's all you know how to do. But this is, like, the third or fourth time we're using we gotta the, relax on the that. stepping stone thing. And it wasn't even, like – to reach something really it was just like to run away she's like i can't do anything else i guess i'm gonna run up like that's just her her defense mechanism i guess i don't know but it's it's yeah it was it was a weird little little scene for me and it's also interesting because like the appearance of of him is like is this a love rectangle now a love square a love rhombus because i mean you too much geometry for me she got him (laughs) <laughs> Kamala got hoes, y'all. It's crazy out here. She, I mean, Bruno and uh, it's a lot. She got a lot, but it, yeah, it's, it was a weird scene for me. Yeah, I think uh, it's given Super Mario with all of the stepping sound stuff, like a lot of hopping, <laughs> yeah. level hopping, and stuff like that. It's it's feeling like a platform sort of video game, and it's just like, okay, let's see, let's see some different displays of power. Like we know you're young, we know you're still learning things, and we it. still see that communicated in a in a pretty good way because she throws a knife and has like the worst aim ever, just completely <laughs> fucking misses. But yeah, I think I think like at at a certain point she has to like try to push herself and like right, try exactly. the limits of like what actually can she do, mm-hmm. and it's mostly like oh, I can block this. And like she, you know, used the projection in her hand to like catch the knife. But as you said, just like resorts to stepping stones all the time, just these different platforms. It's a little weird. But with the introduction of the Red Daggers in this week's episode, they are here and tasked with providing more exposition to what all of this nonsense is going on. And and, and I think that as we learned about the clandestines last week, we learned some information that seems to not be entirely accurate because we talked a lot about the whole Jin aspect, the fact that mm-hmm. like Kamala and her family are Jin and, and what that truly means for her and what that means for this clandestine group. And it turns out that the definition of like what we thought about what a Jin may be and what that might mean is not really the case. Like it's it's basically it's that it's that whole line that would lead like the leader of the Red Daggers. He says like, you know, if Thor landed in the Himalayas, he would have been labeled a Jin too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's meant to just sort of like take away some of the power of that statement. But I found myself here. This is where I got lost in the episode. I had to go back and, and rewatch it because I'm like, well, wait, what what's what's really happening here? And I guess the whole purpose and the whole point of the clandestines is that they come from this different dimension, which we did know, and they're basically here to utilize the veil of nor to mm-hmm. destroy or to, to 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 take over a different dimension something like that it gets it gets really weird like some sort of negative zone territory it just it kind of all just got a little a little bit convoluted to me for a quick second i'm hoping that they can like reel back on this more so like yeah. all right now we i guess we we understand to some extent like what they want but Maybe we shouldn't lean too much into this because I, I started to feel like that moment in Eternals when we had that big fucking expositioned up in the middle of that movie where it's like, wait, what's happening? Who are yeah. you? Y'all are not real. Th- this is all just like make believe like it was it was starting to feel a little bit like that. So I think that um, I think either a little bit more clarity on what they want exactly or just like maybe taking the foot off the gas on this on this particular element, because this this isn't working as much for me as it did last week when we were told something that's now being sort of altered in, in, in order to fit the story and where it is now. Yeah. Part of me wants a scene with the clandestines, just them, no Kamala involved. Like I want to hear 
kind of them talks amongst themselves to really get a sense of what they're really trying to do. Because I was okay with the story that they're just trying to get home, but in order for them to get home, they're going to fuck some shit up. I was okay with that. And <laughs> I was like, okay, let's just leave it there. That's fine. Um, and for him to say that's not really their goal, maybe, you know, is is, is kind of confusing. I don't, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, and part of it, you know, the, this, this exposition dump that they put on Waleed for the five minutes he was in the goddamn TV show, they... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they were trying to find ways for us to understand where Aisha might be. And so, you know, the, in, or in, in trying to give us like visual clues of what has been happening to Kamala. And, you know, they have that little display thing. I don't even know what that thing is called, man. I thought they was in Wakanda when it pulled up. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool looking display thing that shows Earth's terrain versus yeah. the clandestine terrain and in in how beautiful it is though and 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 you see the colors are similar to when Kamala goes under you know what i'm saying and it, it it's very negative zoning and that's what i'm going to keep calling it the negative zone until they really give it a name um but it 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 just i don't know i it, it felt like that's why they were explaining it more than that's why they were trying to figure out what the clandestine were doing they were like okay Maybe Aisha is trapped between the negative zone and Earth. Sure. That's what I thought, you know, I thought in my mind. But I just couldn't figure out why we were, we were, like, changing the clandestine's plan, I guess. Like, they were already evil to me if they didn't care about blowing up one world to get to right. their home. You know what I mean? It's like, why would you do that? And so uh, uh, I agree a little bit. It's like, why are we adding more things to the pot that you don't necessarily have to do? We were already on board that these were not the greatest people in the world. That's fine. Let's leave it there. You can you can add some some Noor stuff, you know, some Noor. Do that. That's fine. But yeah, it, it, I agree. I was like, damn, this is a little bit more than I thought that we were we were talking about in the beginning. Um, so, yeah, it was it was weird. Yeah. And, and based off of last week's episode, Najma, the leader of the clandestines, they, they she told us that they were exiled from Noor and Aisha was also a part of that group. And now I'm just wondering, well, okay, well, is that entirely true? Because we never found out, we never found mm-hmm. out why they were exiled, and we still don't really know. And it goes from, yes, like we're just trying to get back home and we'll do whatever it takes to to, to achieve that goal, which can be can it, uh, that that can be communicated as evil if they're willing to kill and do all exactly. of those things, as you said. Mm-hmm. But now they're trying to take over and, and expand their power. Well, why? Like, tell me why, like, what's the purpose of that? We haven't gotten that, exactly. that true explanation. So I agree that a moment with them to just like spend some time with them to really understand what the plan is. And hopefully that can come next episode that that'll provide, I think more clarity as to like what this all really means, because there has to, again, be some sort of connection to Aisha, which that's what we're still mm-hmm. waiting to see what what this all means. Because if Aisha was a part of this group, they're looking real sus right now. So I'm, I'm still questioning Aisha. Like, I need to yeah. understand, like, what, what at what point was there a disconnect, if there was ever a disconnect? Because Aisha, to this, to this place in the show, seems like a decent person. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen anything that would prove me otherwise. We've heard things, yes, that might be true. So I need some confirmation, and hopefully, I think we will get that next week in 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 the penultimate episode to 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 find out a little bit more. Um, but speaking of the clandestines, though, there was that moment where we saw that they were locked away in the damage control supermax prison, which I found to be interesting. I always love when they introduce new locations in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Like I love that stuff, especially if it's like pulling from the comic books. But it's notable because. That same prison popped up in the She-Hulk trailer that we yep. got recently, like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it appears it'll definitely play a part in future storytelling, particularly with that series that's coming out in you know a couple of months here. But I, I just found that to be a cool thing. Now, what I will say, those damage control security guards fucking suck. Like, how Trash. did they so easily let them get away like that? That was just... I mean, you talk about a fluke or just having just completely <laughs> incompetent security guards like... You know, we 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 talk shit about the stormtroopers over in Star Wars, <laughs> but dude, like, how how easy was that for them to just get out of that whole situation? It didn't make any sense. But um, what'd you think about just seeing like the supermax prison here? It was very quick. It wasn't like a long sequence, but yeah. Again, like I think that there might be potential there. So, what do you think about seeing it here, and then where, how it might factor into future storytelling in the MCU? 
it's a very small thing, but I love the 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 handcuff system where like you have to go along this rail at the top. We don't see a lot of prisons like that. And I was like, ooh, that I like that. That's different. It's not behind the back. It's not, you know, some weird lock system. It's like, no, nah, put your hands up here is where we can see them. Um, and uh, apparently it didn't matter. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> niggas still got their ass kicked. But it it. Like you said, it was cool to see here, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see it in the future. I think those guns they were using, we'll see in She-Hulk somewhere, too. Those little wave shotguns. I don't even know what they were. Wave shotgun things. I think we'll see those some more. Um, but I think we'll... we'll it's, it's interesting how, you know, Najma kind of got out of there um, with, like... It's like, could you have broken free this entire time? Probably. I was, <laughs> and I was like, why are we here then? Like, yeah. why did... <laughs> why didn't this, like, happen in, like... The end of last episode. I don't know. <laughs> I just felt like we should have seen you break out faster. In, like they waited until they were like walking detained down the hallway to escape. But I guess it's like part of the escape plan. But I don't know. I feel like they could have got out at another time. Clearly, they're not completely human. They can do other things. Like so, I feel like just feel like they could have got out earlier. But I agree. Cool. To, cool to see here. And uh, yeah, it, it, I, maybe just another display of like their power. I guess of being able to just break the shackles at any given time i guess um but even comran uh it's, it's still cool to see that dude fight because when you first meet him you don't expect him to be this guy and now it's like oh he's this guy and so sure re- very weird conflict he's going through his mom just disowned him so yeah they <laughs> they literally just left him there i was like damn rip wh- that's, wait that's what, what he like, said <laughs> he's <laughs> like, like i'm just real? here yeah like we're just gonna just bounce and just like leave leave my guy here it was it was a little strange that that it happened so quickly like mm-hmm. najma already made up in her mind like yeah you're not coming with us like that's it you're done um but we'll have to see like how he comes back he's he certainly will be be a factor you know moving ahead and i think he'll you know figure out a way back to kamala to help her out in this fight but um, ultimately, this all leads to a giant, massive chase sequence in this in this episode, which is probably the biggest set piece that we've gotten thus far in terms of action. And the clandestines, they make their way over to Karachi and they interrupt the training that Kamala is undergoing with the Red Daggers. They're sharpening her powers, sharpening her skills. And so I think we're going to see her get a lot more efficient and a lot better and not utilize these damn stepping stones in the next two episodes. At least that's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, this big chase ensues throughout the streets of Karachi, which I got to say, I thought was staged really well. I thought it was well choreographed. It looked good. This is where I think, again, the direction of Charmid Obeyed Shinoi shined through because it was all legible and clear. And I liked how we were in these crowded city streets and we had to go through these different corners and there was a car chase and a foot chase. Like it felt very dynamic. The only thing is, I think it kind of went on a little bit too long. Like Mm -hmm. it might have. Maybe like a couple of minutes shorter, because it was about eight minutes. I timed it out. I'm like, this is a pretty long chase. Like, we're just, we're running and running and running and running. And we can only go down like so many dark alleys and so many corners and so many crevices of the city. That being said, though, I thought it was still pretty impressive um, and just like how they staged it, especially like being able to see like a new location and a new environment. I don't know how much of this like they shot really there. Probably none of it. This might have been all Atlanta mm-hmm. backlot stage, which if it is, very impressive because it looks like they're really there i think that the way that they set it up i was like this felt very authentic if it if it actually was not shot in karachi they fooled the fuck out of me and i have to give them props for that yeah that means the production designer was eating (laughs) i mean going crazy uh but i have i have to agree i I think this is a really good chase scene and it's it's one thing because the mcu we've seen several chase scenes right And, and i think that what makes a chase scene also good is just the chain and scenery like there's certain car chasings you're like dang this again this again and then you get like the batman at nighttime while it's raining and there's fire you know what i'm saying and and, but then in here you get this like beautiful packet i mean the colors are amazing while they're in this this chasing and like they're in these little cars with no doors you know what i'm saying and and, and it also makes it a a little bit more exciting than some previous scenes or chasings that we've seen and i i love how they just make it fresh and they add on kind of this impromptu driving lesson that kamala has to do and i I like that too um i agree it was a little too long yeah for sure but i I was glad to see that they was bringing something new to it it's like okay then i'm fine with it like i'm not mad at another car scene if you're bringing something new to the table and and we've gotten uh uh something that was new to the table here so i i definitely appreciated it absolutely and as you mentioned earlier wali gets completely killed by najma so he is just in and out all five minutes 
so fast. I mean, they literally <laughs> brought this character in to tell her what what's going on and just eliminated him that quickly. Um, but I guess it was necessary to see that Najma is willing to kill in mm-hmm. order to achieve her objective. Um, so you add an element of danger to her, of course, with that with that whole situation. But this episode ends. They eventually the clandestines they catch up with Kamala. They corner her. Najma goes to strike her. Kamala protects herself by lifting her arm, and Najma ends up stabbing the bangle. And this transports Kamala to the damn British partition that we've heard a lot about in this series, and it takes her to 1942. So some weird time travel, I guess, is happening here. I don't know exactly. Maybe it's time travel. Maybe it's just like vision and projections. I don't Mm -hmm. really know. They might have to explain that, but it could be time travel. We, We know that like supernatural stuff exists all throughout the MCU, so I wouldn't take that off the table, but she's smack dab in the center of it, and she's at this train that she continuously has been seeing, and we just see the chaos and these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people around um, that's sort of ensuing, and she's she's frightened, and she doesn't know where she is, and she's trying to make sense of it all, and they leave us on a cliffhanger there. This is where the episode ends, but I think that this is all in setup to provide that moment with Aisha that we've been waiting for and been looking for. Mm-hmm. How exactly that's going to play out next week, don't entirely know. But I think that this was a good cliffhanger. This was a great way to sort of leave off the episode to, to get us excited and anticipate it for next week. Just to take her once again to a brand new location that's completely removed from her from her entire reality. You know, this is literally out of her time, you know, wherever she is. And so I'll be I'll be curious to see like how they execute on this whole Aisha storyline because that's been the mystery that's been building and building. The thing about these mysteries with these MCU TV series is that typically the payoff isn't worth the four or five weeks that we spent to getting towards mm-hmm. them. You know, I think that that's been the one downfall of, of a lot of these shows is that there's a mystery at the center of it all and then we get towards the the solution of it and it's like, "Oh, well, that's it. That's why we spent so much time on this." But Fingers are crossed that that won't be the case because this series has been mostly good up until this point. Um, any thoughts or expectations about what we might see out of Aisha and just this whole changing of the scenery and this change of environment with Kamala present now at the partition? Yeah, I was actually, you know, surprised to see that we were here because I, I think I said maybe last episode that was like a flashback with showing what, what Aisha had going on would be so useful here. And I think they could use it as a powerful tool to tell this story. But Kamala being embedded now in that story i think is a completely different approach i just really didn't see coming um this bangle can do a lot of shit it's crazy i mean (laughs) it's a lot going on in this bangle man the if this is of cree origin i mean the cree is they're really killing it out here Mm. um but it it it's really cool and I, i can't wait to see what version of aisha we get in this flashback time travel i'm not sure like you said i'm not sure what it is i don't can people see her <laughs> like or, or is she actually there in that moment it, it, we just don't know until next week but i love this cliffhanger like you said because it's like well damn what's about to happen like you really don't know what's about to go down here um and i think it's like a a really cool and big set piece there was a lot of people there man they had to set this up pretty 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 crazy in order to get this to work and i think it'll continue to be that way next week as we figure out what's going on um i think aisha is is again the whatever the bengal read i think was so important man uh whatever you seek is also seeking you or whatever it said something similar to that and i think that's some kind of message from aisha how it got uh, in, in how it became inscripted on the bangle, I have no idea how that would have happened, especially if, yeah, I just don't know if she did it herself before she lost the bangle or what's going on. But I think we'll we'll get so many answers next week. I really do. Um, the, another big question is where's the other bangle? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it has to be somewhere. And so I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's here somewhere. Maybe it's because because even the clandestine uh, at some point Najma I think even in the flashback was like we need two bangles to get home but we only got one of them things it's like okay where where does the other bangle lie and so I think there's a just still very interesting problems that are that that are being presented here and I love the way that this episode ends because it's like okay well let's get some answers from the source in this story that we've been talking about since episode one it's like damn we're finally here in the moment let's do it yeah and I also really really love the fact that the partition has been such integral storytelling to what this what this entire series has been up until this point because as we talked about earlier this this whole family dynamic that's been fleshed out each and every week and how we're 
we're toying and, and talking about ideas of, you know, identity and belonging and finding mm-hmm. out who you are. And the partition, you know, on a very literal level sort of represented that because ultimately it was about the British separating the country between, you know, the Muslim and the, you know, sort of Pakistan, Pakistan, excuse me, um, sort of people and, and, and literally using borders to, divi- to, to divide them. And so when we get that at the end of this episode, we see all of this chaos, like people sort of fighting to try to get across the border, you know, and, and, and make their way there. And we, we also know that that event was, it was huge in terms of how it separated families and created mm-hmm. that divide, right? And that's been, again, sort of a, a recurring theme throughout this show. I just love that backdrop and that historical context that's that's continuing to sort of feed into the story that they're trying to tell. So hopefully that continues and we see that more fleshed out. And I think ultimately with Aisha, what we'll probably learn ultimately is that she might have been betrayed by Najma. Something happened, I think, between those two. And that'll sort of cement the the evil nature of Najma likely mm-hmm. next week that we'll, we'll, we'll probably get a little bit more insight as, in terms of what happened, because as of now we haven't seen what that is. And we only know that Aisha has been connected to the clandestines, but there there's two different sides of it. She has a clandestine family, but she also has her real family that we're, you know, sort of experiencing the series through. So where, where was that divide? What happened that might have connected, disconnected, I should say, these two things? And so looking for a lot of answers, of course, we still have two episodes left. So I think they definitely have enough time to go ahead and address that stuff. But we will absolutely be waiting to see. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for this week's episode of Miss Marvel. Thank you again for tuning in to another podcast from Two Black Nerds. We will, of course, be back next week. Again, if you haven't heard, we'll be doing three podcasts next week. That's right. We're bringing three very special episodes to you on Monday. We're going to be dropping a very special episode for the 4th of July in anticipation for the release of Thor Love and Thunder. We're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to be breaking down the best MCU romances ever. That's right. Love and Thunder is on the way. It's going to be a very romantic story, we assume. And so we're going to look back and talk about all the best MCU romances that we've seen up until this point and have a have a fun game to play with that. We're also going to talk about next week the latest episode of The Boys in our usual Tuesday episode, which will actually come out Wednesday. I should mention that Tuesday's episode will come out Wednesday. So we'll do a Monday episode, a Wednesday episode. We're going to catch up with The Boys, catch up with shows like Umbrella Academy. And then, of course, we'll be back next Thursday to talk about episode five of Miss Marvel. So a jam-packed week of two black nerds coming at y'all next week. So be on the lookout for that stuff. And until then, we'll see y'all next time. With that being said, y'all, we are Audi 5000. This is the year of 2022 Black Nerds. And remember, always bet on black. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds, where we're too black, too nerdy. And we out, y'all. Peace.